The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corellis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. (laughs) 2020 continues to be just the craziest year ever. We just had Tropical Storm Isais here in New York City. Um, we don't typically get tropical weather here in New York City. I mean, we've had like Superstorm Sandy and Hurricane Irene, typically like in October. Um, but we just had our second tropical storm come through New York. Um and while it passed by very fast, there was a lot of wind damage. So uh, mostly trees. It just actually came back from a, a walk to the post office to ship out some movement headquarters masks. But um, yeah, I, I saw a bunch of, of uh, branch, like large branches, not like little twigs, but like large branches uh, down all over the place. So yeah. Just keeps on getting crazier and crazier but then seeing the craziness in beirut in lebanon yesterday it made me feel like maybe new york city wasn't so crazy for a second so um yeah it's 2020 is gonna go down in the record books as just a, a year of whoa um my thoughts and positive energy is sent to those in lebanon that were affected by the blast yesterday um, it is Wednesday, so I'm recording on Wednesday. This will come out on Friday. Um, but yeah, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, it's an election year too. Things are just going to keep on getting crazier and crazier. But um, yeah, I am here to offer you a break from all of the craziness of 2020. So I'm going to move on from that. Um, what is new in my life? Um, in the dance world, uh, my my basic ballet classes at Broadway Dance Center have now shifted to Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. They're an hour and 15 minutes long. I'll be teaching on on Tuesdays through the month of August. So if you'd like to take a virtual basic ballet class with me at Broadway Dance Center, you can sign up at broadwaydancecenter.com. What else? Oh, I've been actually talking about this a lot on my social media. I am developing a transitioning from basic to beginner ballet workshop. Uh, And that will probably start, I'm thinking I'll start it in September, um, right after, is that Labor Day? Yeah, I always want to say Memorial Day, but it's Labor Day in September. Memorial Day is in May. Um, But yeah, so uh, I've been looking at different ways to connect with people in my community, dancers and students. Um, and I've, I know that there are a lot of like introduction or introductory to ballet classes. Um, but I find that the transition from like the, the lower level that we offer Broadway Dance Center to the beginner level is actually just as difficult as the transition from 
learning like the most basic steps of ballet to basic ballet. So I will be doing a virtual workshop. I will be making an official announcement in my next podcast about that. But you can also uh, find out about that earlier if I announce it on my Instagram. Go ahead and follow me at B Corollis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S on Instagram. Um, I've been really cultivating my Instagram to be more dance focused and less personal. So um, if you want any information about the things that I'm doing, or if you want to be inspired about the world of dance or learn about technique or performances, uh, you can always follow me there. Um, What else? I've been developing, uh, working on developing a socially distanced series of pop-up performances throughout New York City. We have our first show today. That will be Friday today, even though I said it's Wednesday, but when you listen, it'll be Friday. It's the 7th of August in Central Park at 6 p.m. You can meet us at the Bethesda Fountain. We will put on a series of performances. They're about 15 minutes each. We will repeat it three times, and we will also have a special movement class for you guys as a part of that, too, so that you can get your bodies moving and get rid of those quarantine kinks that are left over. Um, We will also be offering other shows at Gantry Plaza State Park in Queens on the 16th of August, Brooklyn Bridge Park in Brooklyn on the 22nd of August, and in Washington Square Park on the 29th of August. Um, Yeah, you can can find information about that on our website, www.movementhqballet.org. Or on my company's Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Um, so yeah, join us. If you can't join us, I'm looking into live streaming the event, at least one of the performances. So again, follow, follow, follow. Um, and yeah, I guess my last announcement is just don't forget we are still selling movement headquarters masks and t-shirts. Um, so you can reach out to me on social media or our website to get information regarding that. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? I can't believe that summer's almost over. It's crazy to me. And it's also weird because while we're still like kind of in quarantine here in New York, um, I feel busier, like as busy as I used to be. Um, and I'm also tired like all the time still because it's like a lot more brain work and a, not as much physical work. Um, so yeah, if you're feeling like, whoa, I'm still kind of quarantining and I'm overwhelmed and exhausted, you're not the only one. We are all in this together. All right, so last week's episode was about reigniting my creativity. And I was thinking that I would talk a little bit more about what that creativity reignited in this week's episode. So I want to talk about how I've taken uh, that inspiration and developed this outdoor pop-up performance series that we're we're doing with my company movement headquarters uh with covid restrictions in place across the country it looks like live performance in theaters won't be back for quite some time um or even if it is maybe it'll come and it'll go you don't even know it's not even worth guessing um most of the companies that (laughs) i'm connected with they say they have plan a b c to z so pretty much everybody has like a multitude of plans but it's starting to look like most performances are being canceled through january of 2021 i guess in hopes that there will be a vaccine by then um but indoor performances really don't look like they're going to be happening uh, pretty much for the entire year of 2020. Uh, Here in New York, we are still not even allowed to step foot in a dance studio. Um, And it hasn't even been announced when that is going to be allowed again. Um, 
initially fitness classes were part of phase four and dance classes are considered fitness classes, but they took it off of phase four. We're in phase four. There is no phase five. Um, and we just don't know when that's going to happen. And honestly, it's hard not to feel jealous, like seeing people across the country entering dance studios again, even though I see some without masks. Um, and I don't know if I feel safe doing that, especially having been here in New York. Um, in Europe, they've been doing a much better job and, yeah, I, I can't help but feel a little jealous watching people enter the studios, but we can't. So uh, we have to be more innovative and creative, uh, which means that a lot of us are thinking out of the box to continue supporting artists, supporting ourselves and bringing art and culture back into the lives of our communities, our towns and cities and states and the, the entire country. Um, so, yeah. I have developed this performance called Love Letter. And Love Letter is a it's a socially distanced performance series that is a reminder to all of us about why we love New York City. It is our love letter to New York City. Um I'm I'm very proud of the work that we've done and I'm really excited to to share it with everybody. But uh the the best part about Love Letter is that um it fulfills a part of our mission with Movement Headquarters that I've had on my mind a lot lately. There's been a lot of conversation. I think I think because we've been able to have more time to have a lot of conversations over the past few months, but there's been a lot of conversations about inequity in dance and uh, accessibility to dance and how ticket prices are too high for a lot of people um, so they can't enjoy shows or that there's a, a dearth of access to training and like the, and not, not just like training, but when I say training, that includes like affordability of tuition, um, dance wear, especially point shoes. Once the, once the girls start wearing point shoes. Um, so there, there's really just a lot of inequities when it comes to having access, access to dance. Um, and it's been a part of my mission since I started moving my headquarters to find ways to bridge that gap. And one thing that I've wanted to do for quite some time is to create outdoor dance that is mobile and can pretty much be performed in the streets. And by the streets, I mean like any street, anywhere outside. Um, and the, the, the great thing about that is that outdoor dance is more accessible to the general public and unless you're performing it on a stage it's really hard to prevent people from coming to watch you so if like I, the reason i say that is because if you're trying to sell tickets like you would to a theater a theater is a closed space unless you have a ticket you're not on the theater but if you perform in public for the most part anybody that wants to watch it can see it so for those who can't afford to see dance or take dance um or for those who don't even know that they like dance Outdoor performances are a fantastic way to connect with people who wouldn't be able to see dance um, or don't even know that they like dance performances. So um, I've been very happy that I figured out that this was the time to do that because when we first started getting our production together, I, I really was just like, how am I going to ever find the time to do to fulfill this part of our mission because we're so focused on just making a name for ourselves. And that's one of the challenges of starting a dance company. Um, you need to be able to fund the company and you need to be able to pay your artists. And it's really expensive. And, and I mean, I think one of the saddest things is 
the dancers don't get paid enough. And like, for instance, I'm just going to be, transparency is, is my, my way. Um, it costs us $6,000 to rent the Alvin Ailey city group theater. Um, and that doesn't include a handful of other things. Um, so that's $6,000 to be in that theater for one day. What is that? We got in there at 8 a.m. I think we were out of there by like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. That's like 13 hours. So they got $6,000 just for us to use that space. My dancers, my most well-paid dancers got paid. How much was it? There was like a range between like two hundred fifty and six hundred dollars for three weeks of work, and that some days it was like an hour, some days it was like five hours of work. So just to give you a sense, for them to pro- pro- provide this space for us was essentially equivalent to how much it costs me to pay all of my dancers. And I, this is my first performance ever, and I really wanted to give them as much as I could, but. It's it's a balancing act, but the only way that you can, the only way that you can get support for your company to do these performances is to put yourself out in the public, and giving free performances doesn't always bring a ton of money in, um, so you have to do it in a way that is people. It feels like a special event. Um, it feels like something important, um, and. It, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a challenge to go. Okay, I'm gonna create something that I'm not gonna make any money off of. That maybe it will raise our visibility, um, but nobody even knows who we are yet. So yeah, it's it's just it's like this strange balancing act. And I just felt very lucky that we got to fulfill this part of our mission um, due to COVID. I'm not thankful to COVID for many things. This is one thing that I am thankful for. Um, so yeah, how did I go about developing? love letter. Um, there are multiple aspects to this. It's not as simple as like, I felt inspired and I went out and just created movement on dancers. Um, there are a lot of things to take into consideration. Um, first things first, location. So you don't, you don't just have your performance locations to consider. You also have rehearsal locations. So this might be unique to the time that we're in. Maybe a lot of times these rehearsals will take place in a dance studio, but since we can't be in dance studios, we had to figure out locations to rehearse in public. Um, so yeah, I, you have to think about different things in your locations. Okay. Are they easy to get to for your dancers? In New York, a lot of us don't have cars. We take the subway. So I had to look for places close to the subway. What else? I wanted to, to rehearse in places where um, we weren't going to be swarmed by people. So um, generally, we've avoided larger Manhattan parks like uh, Central Park or uh, Riverside Park. Um, We've, we ended up rehearsing for a majority of our, our, our rehearsals in uh, Gantry Plaza State Park in Queens, in Long Island City, which is this amazing park with an amazing view. When we're there, I feel like we're in Inception in that, you know, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And there are scenes where the sky rises are just so tall. Um, I feel like that. So that was a cool place because it was an inspiring place to be rehearsing. They have flat areas that you can rehearse on. Um, and while there are people there, there are spaces that you can go into in pockets where you can kind of like get away from crowds. Um, so location, like I said, also within the location is the surface of the ground. What type of dance are you going to be doing? It's really important. Um, are you going to be 
doing a lot of jumping? Are you going to be a lot of doing a lot of gliding? Um, are you going to be leaning on surfaces, things like that? So you have to think about like the surfaces around you, especially the ground. Um, we've mostly tried to rehearse in a flat area, though last week we did rehearse in the grass on a hill. Um, it was fun because the dancers actually took their, their shoes off. I would never do that. I told them that I don't think they should, but they wanted to and, you know, live their lives. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, we strongly considered the surface of the ground. So we, we, we would check the surfaces. What's it like to dance on concrete? What's it like to dance on asphalt? What's it like to dance on astroturf, gravel, grass, dirt, all these different things. And then how do those surfaces change based off of whether it's humid or whether it's rained recently or whether it's been dry out? Um, all things to take into consideration. Also, Every day that we've had rehearsal or performances, I have to think about the weather. So the idea of rehearsing outside is it's very weather dependent. If you live in a place like Los Angeles, maybe you don't have to worry about that because it's pretty nice most of the year, except it gets drizzly in the winter. Um, maybe part of the fall too, I forget. October is around the time I think that sometimes it starts to drizzle in November. But yeah, um, you have to think about the weather. Uh, what type of footwear and clothing will you be wearing? Usually, uh, if you're going to be doing outdoor performances, you're not going to be doing it during cold weather. Not that that's not possible, um, but usually you're going to do it when it's warmer out. So um, footwear, you want to make sure that you have footwear that's going to work with your surfaces and keep your dancers' feet and legs safe. Um, clothing, you want to make sure that your dancers are uh, wearing clothing that's going to be light and not too, uh, and, and breathable, not too heavy and uh, not too heavy so that your sweat can evaporate. Also a thing you want to keep in consideration, like comfort, like for some people, they don't care, like going out dancing or whatever, but for others, like do the men feel comfortable going out in public in tights? Um, it's a, just a little different from a stage where you can sort of like set a barrier between you and the audience where it's not so easy in a public space. If you do get a permit and you do choose to like truly go about it in this way, then sure you can cordon off the space. Um, but we're doing pop-up performances and that's not possible. Plus sh it's illegal to do these things in to busk, I guess in New York parks right now, um, or to perform. They actually won't give permits because they don't want people gathering. So that's another thing to consider during COVID times. How are you going to have people watch what happens if too many people end up gathering and, and it becomes an issue of safety and health. Um, okay. What's the temperature? things to keep in mind. We, we've held rehearsals up into about 90 to 93 degrees. If it goes above 95 degrees, we have uh, considered canceling. Um, what about the sun? Make sure you're wearing sunscreen. Everybody needs to be wearing sunscreen. Um, you also need to consider how are you going to enter and how are you going to leave your space, essentially dealing with your surroundings. Um, for instance, we always have a safe exit plan uh, for our dancers. We, uh, <laughs> we actually have a, a queue. We scream Hong Kong. Um, and the reason it's that sounds horrible because I know that they've been having some uh, riots and protests and government issues um, in Hong Kong. But the reason that we say it is because initially our first location that we would go to for a safe exit was this uh, field in between all these high rises in Long Island City. And it reminded me of a field that I saw in Hong Kong. So that's like our special word where we have a safe exit point. But the reason that we have safe exit points are... Um, 
because you never know when situations are going to arise and if it gets too crowded, um, if we see cops coming to stop the performance. Um, it's it's a different situation. I, ideally, like I said, we would get permits, we would have our own space, but um, we are kind of just rolling with the punches and these are all things you need to take into consideration. And then lastly, the number one thing that you need to take into consideration is how are you going to deal with people around you? Um, when you are performing in public, as I've said already, um, the rules are a bit different. Um, at Gantry Plaza, we, we've generally like not had too many things. There was somebody who came up to us and tried to uh, sell something to us. I don't know if it was like perfume or something like that. But uh, they started talking to one of the dancers while they were dancing. And I went over and I chatted. I, I stopped them from chatting. I was like, I'm really sorry, but we're rehearsing. And he's like, oh, cool. What are you rehearsing for? And it's funny because he was trying to sell us. But in the end, I ended up selling him <laughs> giving him my card and he said he wants to come to the shows so if you're listening i hope that you come sir um but yeah so that that was like the most interaction we had in long island city but um we've been rehearsing in central park and in washington square the last week and whoa completely different story we have had some crazy interactions we've had some like simple ones where like photographers get in the middle of the mix and they start taking photographs um, even if they're like not sure what's happening around them. Um, we've also had, uh, some people who seem to have some mental health issues happening and they want to get involved in the performance or they're just talking loudly about the performance and you're not sure you just sit there waiting to see if they're going to actually engage or not. Um, so you have to have plans on how to deal with this. We have rules, um, for instance, uh, when we are rehearsing or performing, we do not engage vocally with anybody who comes up to us. Um, the dancers have the, the, the right to make the choice to make eye contact with them briefly, but we do not engage for extended periods of time because we, we want them to still feel like there is that like wall what is that called? The fourth wall. We still want sort of a fourth wall. And the only way to do that is to not engage in a typical fashion the way that people do. Um, if somebody asks you a question, you respond. That's normal engagement. But if somebody was in a theater on performing and somebody shouted a question from the audience, the dancers aren't going to respond. So to create our own sort of stage, we, we set the dancers up in an area, we take over the area, and then if people start interacting with them, they don't engage with them in a typical interaction. And what that does is that creates a, a bit of a barrier. It kind of makes the people uncomfortable, which is a good thing, and it, it causes them to sort of step away and feel like they are not a part of the performance. Um, if we want to bring them into the performance, then we will engage with them differently. Um, but when you are working out in public, you are going to have interactions with the general public. And for adults, it's easier. But especially if you're considering uh, developing outdoor performances for kids, it's really important to have these rules in place because um, we want to protect them. And the, the number one most important thing, and this is my responsibility as a director, is to have somebody that can go and interrupt an interaction if it's going in the wrong wrong direction. So um, I've told my dancers if something is is going awry or it's going wrong, I will just walk into the performance and I'll take that person and start talking to them and pull them away. So it's really important to have a point person that is watching not just the dancers moving, but the action and the people around them to make sure that you're ensuring a safe environment for your dancers.
it's actually really exciting to perform outside, I've learned. Um, and there's, there's this, like, kind of uh, aspect of the unknown that, that adds to that excitement. But you just want to make sure that you are keeping your dancers' safety in mind, whether your dancers are 10 or your dancers are 30, 40, 50 years old. Um, cool. So those, those are the things that I have taken into consideration and that if you're thinking of developing outdoor performances, you should also take into consideration. Okay. So how did I go about developing movement for these performances? So there are dozens, if not hundreds of styles of dance nowadays. Um, there are more technical forms that are, have been taught for years. There's European styles, there are African styles, there are street styles, um, there are folk, like classic folk styles from nations around the world. So there, there are many different types of dance. So you, you want to be able to like clearly define what type of dance you're trying to present. And then you need to think, okay, was this type of dance meant to be performed in a studio or on public? For most technical styles of dance, you clearly can't move in the same way that you would in a dance studio. Um, and what I've learned through our development of this choreography and our exploration of, of movement is that it can feel really stifling to, to create work that in, in, in the style that you're doing if it's not in the environment that you're used to doing it. Um, like you can't, all, you can't execute all the steps that you're doing in the same way that you've trained. Um, so it's better instead of just like trying to stick to the style that you're used to, it's better to think outside of the box. Um, like ballet doesn't translate well into sneakers. Ooh, there's a siren. We don't hear so many sirens as much as we used to. Um, but still I have bad memories whenever I hear them, but hopefully that will pass soon. Um, okay. Back to the podcast. But yeah, so, um, like I was saying, ballet doesn't translate well into sneakers. And that's one thing that I'd really like to figure out. Like, how can you get a point to outside uh, without endangering your dancers, um, but not necessarily being on a stage that's created for dance? Um, but what it does is it really essentially forces you to think outside of the box. So what I've found is that uh, I've been taking inspirations from other styles outside of ballet to create a lot of the movement. I make sure that every once in a while we throw some things in there, but I've really taken a lot of inspiration from stru structured improvisations in modern dance that I've, I've experienced. Um, I don't want to like clearly state exactly what I've been doing because I, I'm not going to pretend like I am highly versed in modern dance. I did train in modern dance up until the age of 18, but it was only like two to three days a week. I was in a modern dance company as a teenager, um, a professional dance company, but uh, we didn't like go through a true syllabus. It was like, we did some Cunningham, we did some Graham um, and some Horton, but it wasn't like I was taken through like the first level of Horton and moved to the second level of Horton um, or Graham or anything like that. So I, I have the background, but it's not codified. But uh, taking inspiration from that background of mine, I, I decided that using structured improvisations um, would allow me to create an idea and then also to uh, allow for some freedom of movement. And also what it does is it gives the dancers some more uh, 
it gives them a more of a voice in the piece. So um, let me explain a couple of the movements that we're doing in uh, Love Letter. So the first movement is inspired by pedestrians. We actually have choreography and the choreography interacts with the environment. It can be performed in the middle of uh, a park. It can be performed on a bench. It can be performed um, on a fountain, on railings. So it really... Uh, it's mobile. It can move around. And that's why we're able to take it to different parks throughout the city. And I do hope that one day when we go on tour that we can take it to other places. And the cool thing is through this improvisation, it's inspired by what's happening in the moment. It'll be different every time and it will be unique to every location that we go to. But so the first movement is inspired by pedestrians. And there is choreography that is sort of like contemporary ballet that um, I've created. But the dancers, they interrupt their movement by improvising the movements of pedestrians or animals around them. Um, and sometimes it'll be exaggerated. Sometimes it'll be just as is, um, but then they go back into the choreography. Um, so what this does is we have some of the style of what we're doing, but then, um, it allows for breaks in that. And it's really great too, like I said, cause the environment that we're in is kind of, uh, improvised in real time. And so say that they're doing choreography and a person on a bike is coming by and looks like they're going to run them over. The dancer then has the ability to break out of the choreography, then do something improvisationally to get themselves out of the way and then to step back into the choreography. So it's been really cool to watch. There have been some really beautiful moments when we were rehearsing in Gantry Plaza in, in Long Island City. Um, there was an elderly uh, an elderly couple walking past our rehearsal and they were so cute. They had their hands behind their backs and one of the dancers broke out of the choreography and started walking with their hands behind their backs. And another dancer saw that dancer and joined by his side. So it was like an older couple and a younger couple and they were walking at the same time. And then you had the backdrop of the empire state building and the Chrysler building. And then one of the dancers went back into the choreography while the other dancer continued walking. And then you saw the the couple walk out of the picture and then he went back to the choreography. And it was just, it was really, really cool to watch. And it was, it was fun to see how uh, we can interact with our environment because when you're on stage in a theater, um, we have the ability to create whatever environment we want. And here, the environment is created by our surroundings and it's it's changing in real time. And it gives uh, it gives some an, an exciting freedom to to what what you're watching. Um, so yeah, that's the first movement. The second movement is inspired by the skyline and the architecture of the city. Um, so the dancers, they have certain structured improvisations, whether it's like they can only move with straight limbs or they can only move with their limbs at 90 degree angles, or they can move, uh, slowly or fast, or, uh, I, I'm starting to develop this idea of values. Um, I hate counting, but I, I really often know how long I want a, a movement to be held for. So we do values a lot. So maybe this step takes five seconds to execute. And then the next one takes two seconds to execute. Um, so, um, that's the second movement. Then the third movement, um, is straight choreography. The fourth movement is straight choreography and then the fifth movement goes back into different improvisations um so that's how i chose to develop movement for this um i did have to think safety first and i do urge you to think safety first um 
outside generally you shouldn't be jumping as much we have very few jumps in our piece also turning depending on the surface you're on can be tricky especially concrete we've learned that like sometimes depending on like the treading of your shoes or even just like how grainy that concrete surface is sometimes your your feet don't turn and the last thing you want is for the dancer to turn and their foot not to turn with them um, the goal is not to have injured dancers the goal is to give dancers a chance to continue dancing so it, this is not necessarily the time for you to, I hate saying this, but it's not necessarily the time for you to show like your most innovative, like groundbreaking, uh, most uh, pulse pounding choreography. It's, it's more about being creative, like truly, truly being creative and not just like flashy. That's what I've learned especially because we're, we're dancing socially distanced um, and we can't touch each other and we're not jumping as much and we can't turn as much. Like I, I think of those things as like the flashy things. Um, so really using your creativity to draw the eye in and finding ways to invite people to watch you without being like, look at me. <laughs> and it's, it's been a really great exercise in creativity for me. And I think that if you choose to do this as well, um, that it can too. Um, so this is how I've been doing it. I actually, I want to give a shout out to Wim Wim. Um, it's Wim, W-H-I-M, with him, W apostrophe H-I-M, um, in Seattle. And the director is my former colleague, uh, Olivier Wavers. And um, they apparently had the same thing in mind. And they just did a pop-up performance. I think they did it in Green Lake in Seattle. And a lot of what they were doing was walking the trail around the, the lake. Um, so it looked on their social media like it was a very, very mobile performance. So there are a lot of different ways that you can be creative. You don't have to just be stuck in one place. You can be traveling. Um, just look around, see what other people are doing, let it inspire you. And uh, don't be afraid to do things that feel similar and then see how to, to what other people are doing and then see how they evolve. Just make sure that you're not copying, <laughs> copyright people. Um, so yeah, what else? We talked about uh, things taken into consideration, how I developed the movement, um, rehearsing in public. I, I've talked about this in the things taken into, consider, into consideration. Um, but like I said, if you just want to focus on your work, try to find a quieter place, a more personal area to rehearse. In New York, this isn't as easy. Um, but if you're in like a suburb or if you're in a smaller city, you, I've seen a lot of people rehearsing in parking lots, even doing classes in parking lots um, or even a field in a residential neighborhood. Um, sometimes like parks will have baseball diamonds. I've seen people rehearsing in baseball diamonds. Um, maybe if your friends have a large backyard, um, think like, do I want to rehearse in a place where people aren't going to bother us or, or can we handle rehearsing in a place where people might coming up to us? Essentially, if you're rehearsing in a park, um, you're already rehearsing with an audience. So just be prepared for that. And with kids, that might be a little bit harder because you might not be able to keep their attention span if somebody walks by. I mean, I'm working with dancers like, <laughs> they're going to hate me for this. I'm working with dancers that are aged like, I don't know, 22 to... 30, 32, something like that. Um, and we've been in the middle of like creating and they've been like, oh, look at the puppy, puppy, puppy. So if, if my 
professional dancers in their 20s and 30s can't control their fascination for a dog walking by. Um, it might be harder if you've got like 12 year olds. Um, so you may want to consider rehearsing outdoors in a less public space. Um, but there is also a sort of, sort of, uh, excitement and uh, thrill about being on already. It's almost like an open rehearsal every single time that you, you rehearse, if you rehearse in more public space. Um, what else? Give your dancers safety guidelines. Um, I require all my dancers to wear masks. Um, we do have rules. So it's like if you get to a point where you feel like you can't breathe because some of the choreography is very puffy, we, as we say in the dance world, very uh, gets your breath going really fast. Um, they are allowed to just step out like I safety over performance. So if it's hot outside and we're on our third performance and they just can't catch their breath and they feel like they're going to pass out, this is not a time to push yourself past your breaking point. Step out get away from people where you're going to be at least 12 feet away from some people, take the mask off, catch your breath, sit down, grab a sip of water, do what you need to. Um, it can get really hot here in New York in the summer and most of the country. So that's important to me. Um, this is not the time for me to be that director. That's like you push through until you break. It's not that it's not that point. Again, dancers need to be wearing sunscreen. Um, I get burnt very quickly. I don't want my dancers to get burnt. So get sunscreen and bring it with you because when once you start sweating, if your rehearsal is longer than an hour, that sunscreen's not going to be working anymore. So you're going to have to reapply. Um, give breaks more frequently than you typically would in the studio um, because dancers need to be hydrating. Again, I think I might be repeating this, but just make sure that you have guidelines with engaging with audience members. Um, I recommend don't talk to people when, when you're performing. Eye con very limited eye contact. You can engage people, but at the same time, you don't want to engage with them so long that they feel okay to break into your space. Um, again, have a safe meeting space um, in the event that something goes awry. And that could mean that the cops come to break it up because there are too many people gathering. It could mean that... Uh, a fight starts or a protest starts coming towards you and you don't know how that's going to happen. It could mean that somebody is drunk um, and they're getting in the way. It could mean many things. So just have a safe meeting space that is within a block um, of where you are, but not within the immediate space that you're in. Um, and always have an advocate if uh, the public oversteps the boundaries. Um, I am always there to interrupt something happening like while even though I want to sit back and enjoy enjoy the work that I've created and to enjoy the art the artistry of my dancers I am not just looking at them during the performances I'm watching the crowd and I'm, I'm looking and seeing um, what they're doing and if somebody is getting too close to a dancer or something is happening just keeping an eye on it so that if I need to I go over and I can take control of that situation either getting the dancer out of that space or just chatting, like engaging with that person, pulling them away from the, the performance. Um, that can be a director. It can be uh, a parent that you trust. You just want to have somebody that's cool, cool-headed. You don't want to have somebody that's explosive because um, it's kind of the idea of what's been happening with the protests. It's better to have people um, de-escalate than it is to have people like get in their face and get angry. It's, it's not going to be helpful. Um, so have at least one advocate to step in the middle of the performance. And that understands the performance so they know how to stay out of the way, but also uh, 
protect protect the dancers. Um, be prepared for anything. Anything can happen when you're outside. I mean, who knows? But just be prepared for anything and have as many backup plans as possible. Um, before each rehearsal for Love Letter, we set rules. Um, we explore the surface that we're on. Um, so that means like, can you turn on that surface? What does it feel like to jump on that surface? Are there potholes? Um, if we're in the grass, is there dirt? We found a needle by a bench the other day that we that we made sure was moved to a place where the dancers aren't going to possibly poke themselves. Um, and then beyond that, um, we actually have the dancers coming into contact with like, like I said before, like railings and benches and uh, fountains and things like that. So to make sure that the dancers, they, they lean on them and they, they know if it's going to hold their body weight. Or um, one issue we've had is sometimes if it's really hot in the middle of the day, that the railings are way too hot for the dancers to lean on. So um, that way they know not to interact with those specific surfaces and they can come up with a plan as opposed to feeling like they're in performance and have to do it. Because as we know, dancers will keep on going. Um, so we don't want people ending up with like burns. Um, we have this beautiful photo of one of my dancers, Camila Rodriguez, um, and she's laying backwards over a railing on the East River. And that's the railing I was talking about. That was fine. But then another day we went and uh, I don't think it was her, but somebody went to go lay on it. And it was, it was like a scream moment because it, it hurt so much. Um, yeah. Okay, those are your safety guidelines. Picking ideal performance spots. Make sure that you visit beforehand. Even if you've been to the location before, make sure that you you visit beforehand. Because for me, like my memory is was specific to like my experience there. It wasn't specific to like imagining a performance happening in these locations. Um, so make sure that the space is appropriate. Make sure that this. Uh, there is enough space for you and that the ground is level, if that's what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for surfaces, make sure there's enough surfaces to interact with. Um, like, for instance, we, like I said, we're going to be at the Bethesda Fountain in Central Park um, with that beautiful angel in the middle of the, the fountain. Um, and I was thinking that we would perform under the arches because there's this beautiful archway that's covered by tiled ceiling. A lot of times musicians go under there. Um, and they perform, but I, I realized that I don't think that there's going to be enough space in there for the dancers to actually move um, fully. So, and I also don't think a lot of people, I, I feel like that would lead to more people gathering and we wouldn't be able to avoid um, large crowds and socially distance the way that we should. Um, what else? Yeah, you also need to just like have a backup plan because it's a public space and it, it needs to be shared. Um, if you plan to have a performance at six o'clock in a specific space that's only that specific space would work and it's taken by somebody else who had the same idea it's taken and i mean maybe they'll go in a couple minutes or a half hour um but you want to make sure that you have different options if you are planning on doing a pop-up um you're also going to know if you uh, want to do a pop-up performance, like a true one where you pop up out of nowhere, or if you're going to have an audience waiting. Uh, for Love Letter, we have told our audience to pretend like they have no idea what is happening um, and to just mix into the crowd. Um, I love the idea of sort of like a secret audience waiting for us. Um, so 
make sure that you communicate that properly with those in the know about the performance. Um, and then also you're going to want to determine if you want to use music or no, or no music. Um, we've decided to use no music for, for Love Letter. Um, one of the big reasons for that is I don't think we can get it loud enough for the space. I'd have to buy a really, really, really expensive speaker. Um, also, a lot of times in order to play music in a performance uh, setting in a park, you have to get a permit. So not only is that uh, a, a cost, but also... Um, you could disturb the public and get a fine, um, or it could essentially notify the officials of where you are that you are putting on a performance illegally. Um, technically, what we're doing is busking. It's not that it's illegal. Um, it's just that with COVID, um, gatherings can or cannot be uh, an issue. So the goal for us is to have a socially distanced gathering so people can see, and they're all spread apart, but it's not like um, you're in Times Square with like a circle of 200 people around you. Um, but yeah, so you need to determine if you're gonna have music or no music. And if you are going to use music, make sure that you know that it's going to be appropriate for the, the space. Are people going to be able to hear it, essentially, not like other curse words in it. Um, so yeah, these are all my recommendations if you are looking for a way to perform throughout the rest of this year and develop outdoor performances. Um, it's been really fun. I, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished and I, I'm really excited to spend the next month traveling throughout parks in New York City. Um, so if you are looking to do the same, I just, I recommend have fun. Don't be afraid to engage and talk with uh, people and exchange information in rehearsals uh, and in performances. We've actually gotten a, a small handful of photographs from our rehearsals. A few people have a uh, just happened to be in the park and taking photos. And then I've talked to them um, during one of our breaks and we've exchanged information. One of the guys was actually, he's he photographed uh, Prince and he photographed Barishnikov back in the 80s. So um, you never know who you're going to run into. We had another guy, he's a he's a, a visual artist and he sat and watched us rehearsing in, in Central Park for over an hour. And we chatted for a moment afterwards. I gave him my card and he actually is now a donor for Movement Headquarters. So... Um, use this opportunity to engage with the public in a different way um, as best as you can because even if you're not making money off of ticket sales for these performances you are going to be creating community um, and engaging with your community and like I said the best part of it is that you are going to be making dance accessible to people that may not have access to it or just didn't know that they wanted access to it so I urge you, continue to create art, find innovative new ways to bring culture and dance to your communities. We need it now more than ever. And I know at the beginning of COVID, I wanted to pause, but now that we're like a few months into into this uh, pandemic, I, I recognize now how important entertainment and arts are. Um, so yeah. Oh, one other thing I forgot. We uh, For our shows, we're even adding a movement class to get the crowd engaged and wanting to dance with us. So between our, we have three performances. It's 15 minutes each. So it'll be like 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off, 15 minutes on. Um, after our second performance, we're going to do a, have one of our dancers do a movement class for the public to get them engaged. Um, so there, there are just so many ways that you can build these public performances so that people can watch and people can engage and people can partake. Um, so this is my cue for you to go at it, get at it, 
get creating and spread the love and joy of dance. Uh, so yeah, that's today's podcast. I hope that it inspires you to go out and do something. And even if you're not going to build a performance, just go out and dance outside. And I know it feels weird to be like, oh my God, people will watch me. But once you actually like break the ice with it and you just do it, like it feels so, so good. And it becomes really normal. And if you're afraid to do it on your own, just ask like two or three other people to go out with you. For some reason, it's a lot easier to do in a group, um, in a group setting than it is to do it individually. Um, again, my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, we are going to be doing pop-up performances of Love Letter throughout the month of August. You can find out more information about our performances at www.movementhqballet.org or you can follow us on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Um, we will, we've announced on our website and on Instagram what parks we will be in, but we are only releasing the loca- the exact locations to meet us for our performances 24 hours before the performances. And we will only be doing that via Instagram or our newsletter. So if you don't want to go on Instagram, you can always go to our website and go to scroll to the bottom and sign up for our newsletter. And we will be sending out information there. Um, is there anything else going on? I think that's it. All right, guys. I hope that you have a wonderful two weeks. I hope that if you're in the New York area that we will see you at some of our performances. And I hope that you take a moment to go outside and dance. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also visit my company's website at www.movementhqballet.org. You can also reach out on those websites if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com, and I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist and independent contractor touring across the country. I also have Dancing Offstage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com, and on there I spoke about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can find my choreography at B Carolis, the channel B Carolis on YouTube, or you can check out Movement Headquarters on YouTube as well. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk, dance with me, and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.